This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL Hockey Pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-2-4. Now, AJ, as uh, teams approach the 30-game mark, we're seeing some separation between contenders and pretenders with some surprise teams in each camp from what we thought at the beginning of the season. Uh, there's also some rumors around that we may see some significant deals much earlier than the February deadline. I'm reading that at least locally here, AJ, as uh, the pre-Christmas freeze is soon to be upon us. Uh, I know I've been talking about the Leafs' need, and it's not a shock that they need to bolster their defense. That's the perception around the league anywhere, considering that this team is one of the better ones in terms of goals against. Uh, it might be overblown, but... Uh, I wonder if, if we'll see some wheeling and dealing. Uh, I know the rumor mill is warming up, for instance. Yeah, I definitely expect we'll see, um, you know, we'll see some deals here. Uh, I would guess probably teams hold Pat. Uh, I, I'd be shocked if we see anything pre-holiday, uh, um, you know, holiday, whatever you want to call it, the holiday uh, break or whatever. But um, roster freeze is the term I was looking for there. Uh, but uh, after that, I think it's probably fair game. So into the new year, um, I would guess we'll see one or two moves maybe in, in January. And then, yeah, pretty busy February. I'm anticipating there's, there's plenty of teams that, uh, need to retool Chicago, St. Louis, couple of struggling clubs and, uh, plenty of other, you know, teams like your Leafs, maybe even the Penguins looking to, to add some spots too. Well, it's funny you mentioned the Leafs and Penguins. Uh, Jimmy Rutherford's made no secret of the fact that he's not happy with the team's current standing, and you know he's going to shake things up. That's, that's how he operates, so that wouldn't shock me at all. And as far as Leafs are concerned, well, you mentioned the two teams that, that have been linked to them most recently, and it's regarding a couple of defensemen in each case. With the St. Louis Blues, you've got Alex Pietrangelo, who's out uh, long-term with a hand injury, oddly enough, but he carries a big cap hit. And uh, the Blues would certainly like to shed that as he's nearing the end of his deal. And then there's Colton Pareko, who's locked up longer term. Younger defenseman, a big uh, brute of a guy. But the Leafs would salivate to get a guy like him, a right-shooting defenseman who would just fill their need. And I wonder what it might, might cost them. The rumble here is that it might cost them somebody like a Kasperi Kapanen, Nikita Zaitsev, and maybe even a pick. 
And I wonder if you had that pres- presented in front of you, would you do that deal from either side? Well, hey, I've been on the uh, the Casperi Kapanen train for a long time. Uh, obviously, uh, it worked out for the Penguins, but uh, you know, getting having to give him up in order to give Phil Kessel is definitely that one piece that that I miss. Um, and so, overall, uh, I I don't know that I would want to get rid of him. I know the Leafs are stacked; they've got plenty of wing options there, but uh, he's he's just too good of a talent, in my opinion, to to be willing to part with him. So, uh, for me. Uh, that would be a non-starter. And then the alternative is the Chicago Blackhawks. It might be a lesser package that gets uh, them to bite on uh, on a deal that might send send a Brent Seabrook the Leafs way. Uh, I guess Duncan Keith is another guy that could be on the outs there because Chicago's not going to be a contender anytime soon. And we're talking about two of their veteran defensemen who uh, might be looking for a last run at a cup and uh, might come in a little bit cheaper. So maybe that's another way that the Leafs or other teams might want to look at. I wonder how willing the Chicago Blackhawks might be to, to let go one, of the, one or both of those guys. Yeah, I mean, this is a club that's made plenty of moves in, in recent years. Uh, it seems most often with, uh, with the uh, Coyotes, but, uh, you know, they, they do uh, some extra cap room. Certainly wouldn't hurt them. Uh, they are kind of right up against the the contract limit as well. They've got 49 of their 50 contracts filled. So, uh, you know, the extra space afforded to them by moving a, a Seabrook or a Keith would definitely help. Um, I'm not sure if they are really sold on, on what they have in, in the system there. Uh, they do have uh, Carl Dahlstrom is, is an option to, to kind of move up. Obviously, Adam Bockquist. Uh, over in juniors right now so there are a couple guys maybe that could slot in uh, you know into the future if they're willing to part with one of those vets Um, so yeah it's it's definitely a possibility Paul all right well we're going to do our uh, regular routine of 30 and 30 but I'd like you to go ahead and remind our listeners about that they can reach out to us too AJ yeah, before we kick off the rest of the show, as always, I will remind all of you that throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, you can tweet at us. We'll try and answer those questions throughout the week. Uh, definitely, you know, bring in your your DFS questions. If you want more uh, insight into why we went, you know, a certain way, we're happy to answer that. Or if you're between a couple of guys, we can certainly help build those lineups as as well as paul mentioned you can follow me at aj shoals 24 and you can follow paul the statsman at statsman 22 all right so let's get into it beginning with anaheim they went two and one last week you're familiar with one daniel sprung a recent pickup from in penguins that's uh, looking pretty good here with the ducks he scored in his debut playing alongside ryan getzlaff at right wing and he's getting more minutes in regular play as well as power play time too so a good deal for him and probably a cheap DFS option, but a very interesting one on the right wing of their first line. Uh, Ryan Miller in the net sustained a lower body injury, though his status is unclear. Uh, look, John Gibson holds the reins here, but they do need a backup of some quality there. So uh, depending on the severity, they may be looking for help because I'm not really sure they have the answer in their system. Andre Case is loving life uh, at right wing in the second line here. After missing the first five weeks of the season, we didn't talk much about him. He was scoreless in his first three games, but look at AJ, 11 points in his last 11 games. Yeah, I'm going to have to disagree with you, Paul, on, on the need to uh, bring somebody in if Ryan Miller's out long term. Uh, I think Jared Corio uh, can be a solid option for them. Now, his numbers this year uh, with the, the San Diego Gauls aren't outstanding, 3-6-1. and one. Um, But if you look at the season before, when he was with Grand Rapids, 21-10-4 with a .913 save percentage. I think he's 
perfectly suited to serve as that backup role behind John Gibson. And honestly, I think he might be their, their backup netminder into the future. I would guess Ryan Miller uh, is probably getting close to, to having played his final games. Uh, and I would expect retirement kind of on the horizon for him there. So uh, I think they're set. I'd be shocked if they made a move to bring in another netminder. Look at this. If we're going to disagree on 31 different teams here, this is going to be a long show, AJ. Uh, <laughs> we've seen Coro's act before. I'm not sold, but you might be, so we'll leave it at that for now. But the Arizona Coyotes, they're 13-13-2, one and one last week. Another goalie situation here, AJ, to talk about. Antti Ranta's lower body injury seems to have been determined to be a serious one, and it might even end his season. That's a shocker for them. They spent big money to get him in there and lock down the goalie situation. It's now in the hands of uh, Aiden Hill, uh, looking like the top option in the Nets. Darcy Kemper is going to be activated soon, and Picard is in reserve. But Hill's the guy right now. He's got a 162 goals against in seven games played. So uh, I think the job is his to lose, at least in the short term. Uh, Schmaltz, the new addition here from Chicago in a recent deal, has six points in his first five games in the desert, including three power play goals as the first-line center. They said they were going to give this guy a shot. He's making the most of it right now. And on his wing... uh, Alex Galchenyuk's not scored as expected. You're hoping that this change will will spruce him up, but I'm concerned about his shots on goal rate. Uh, it's very revealing to me that a first-line winger only has barely more than one shot on goal in uh, in his last 11 games, and he's still listed as a left-wing one option here. Well, I think part of the issue is that they don't really have a better uh, first-line option. You know, maybe panic. Maybe you could slide him in there. Um, but I really don't see anybody else. I guess the other option would be to move Christian Fisher over or Clayton Keller over uh, and have the other one play on the right wing. Uh, but again, I think we're going to disagree uh, on the goaltending situation here. I, I think Calvin, uh, Calvin Picard is going to be the guy that goes here at some point. Uh, obviously, Hill's performing well. You're not going to pull him out uh, when he's you know got kind of rolling. But a pair of bad outings. Seven goals in his last two games for them, both losses. Uh, And so it might be time for Picard to get a look. And it could be a situation where I think he takes over potentially for the rest of the way. Obviously, you're a little more familiar with him from uh, his time in Toronto. But uh, I I think Aiden Hill may have already lost the job in those last two games. Wow. This is this is two for two here so far. (laughs) Boston Bruins, 16, 10 and four. They're two and two in the last week. Yarrow Halak, uh, another goalie thing to talk about. I don't think we're going to disagree here. <laughs> He's been a great addition to the Nets, actually outplaying an inconsistent Tuka Rask so far this season. One can make the case for him to get the lion's share of the net here for the next few weeks that if the Tuka Rask doesn't get on track. And it's in the capable hands of, a, of the veteran Halak, whose numbers are really good so far. Last week also we speculated that David Krejci might soon be moved to the center uh, position on the first line. Well, he was there and responded with four points and a plus five in his last three games played and a cheap DFS value looking at tonight's schedule too uh mcavoy uh showed no ill effects from the big hits he suffered on saturday so look for him to continue to log big big minutes on his blue line and get a few more reps in before he gets up to the level of play that we expect him as one of the top scoring defensemen in the bruins system yeah i expect mcavoy uh to to kind of get get going here now pointless uh, in the first three games back, but you you have to you know understand it was a lengthy lengthy absence. Uh, looks like about uh, oh about ten twelve games or so. So uh, definitely uh, is going to take a little bit to get back on track. And and 
as far as you know other kind of options here they did pick up gemmel smith uh off waivers uh, he'll slot into a fourth line role uh could be maybe a sneaky option uh in in a gpp lineup definitely not going to utilize him uh in in those cash games and even though Krejci took over that top spot i think colby cave is still a viable option here as well, playing with Danton Heinen and David Backus on that second line. Again, uh, looking for him more in those GPP contests than, than in your cash games, but certainly a couple guys to look at. Well, and the Buffalo Sabres have a couple of guys that we want to look at right now. Their, their record slipped a little bit when they went 0-2-1 in their last three games. Uh, Kyle Pozo is the person of interest to me. He's the second highest paid guy here, but he's been buried on the third line right wing position with a shots on goal rate of just two per game and only one assist in his last five outings. The Sabres are hoping for a consistent second line center also to emerge, but Evan Rodriguez is pointless in seven games played and Casey Middlestadt has only one assist in his last six games played. So they'd like to see somebody show up behind Jack Eichel to carry the load on the second scoring line. Carter Hutton and the Nets is dealing with a minor upper body injury. So Linus Allmark may get the next start a winnable game against the visiting LA Kings. So it could be a good DFS play for the Buffalo team at home. Yeah, I totally agree with your take on, on Casey Middlestad. I'm, I'm surprised at how much he's really struggled this year. Um, as you pointed out, just one assist, no goals in his last seven games. Uh, and really, they've been giving him inconsistent looks on the power play. Uh, a couple games, he'll see a little bit of time, then he'll see nothing. Um, and so I, I think maybe finding a permanent spot for him might help with that. But overall, uh, it's hard to argue that it hasn't been a disappointing start uh, to his first full NHL season for for Middlestat there. And yeah, obviously the injured injury to Carter Hutton, who's been red hot lately, is a is a significant concern for them. Uh, and hopefully they'll get him back soon. It sounds like there's a chance he could play tonight. I'm guessing more likely we'll see Omar tonight and maybe Hutton serves as the backup. Um, but important to watch and kind of monitor the goalie situation uh, heading into tonight. And uh, another goalie situation seems to be an early theme in terms of my prep for today's <laughs> pod, AJ. But in Calgary, they're 3-1 and one over the last four games, and right, they're right up near the top of the division and conference out there in the West. Mike Smith looks like he's taken back the goalie top goalie role, winning his last six appearances, in fact, while David Riddich is winless in his last four. Uh, don't write off the ladder guy just yet, though. Riddich has been a fine addition here and will challenge Smith all year long, I do believe, as they volley this thing back and forth. Mark Giordano returned from his two-game suspension. Use this guy in all formats, folks. He's uh, scoring up a storm, one of the top-scoring defensemen in a great situation in, in a very good Calgary team. With <laughs> Stone also on IR, uh, rookie defenseman Oliver Shillington and Rasmus Anderson, two youngsters, distinguished themselves with a heavier load on, of minutes played. And I wonder if this is an audition that could keep them there longer term, even when uh, Stone does return. It's definitely possible. Uh, I, I think uh, I think Anderson's pretty much locked himself into this lineup. I don't see him uh, getting bounced anytime soon. He's been playing all year long. Not really a, a, a scorer. Uh, so I wouldn't really utilize him unless you're looking for, you know, formats that value blocks, but he's not even a big hitter there. Um, so while I think he'll do a good job for uh, the team in terms of on ice, off ice uh, for fantasy production is just not going to pan out for you, but he's going to continue to see big minutes. Uh, I do want to highlight two guys that have been really kind of disappointing as well. Mark Jankowski, Sam Bennett. 
despite playing with Matthew Tuchuk, who's having a phenomenal year, these other two guys just can't seem to put it together. You look at Bennett's numbers. He's got one assist in his last nine games. Uh, that's a, a goalless streak there. And same with Jankowski. Uh, similar lack of production, just two assists in his last seven games. So uh, it's really kind of a situation where I wouldn't use that line to Chuck's kind of that one kind of outlier here, uh, use him by himself without the rest of his line mates. In Carolina, they went one and one in a pretty uh, quiet week for them. But although they did lose Jordan Stahl, he's out with a concussion. So that leaves the top center spot open. We expect Sebastian Ajo and Victor Rask to line up as the scoring line pivots uh, with this change. Ajo, for his part, has been a power a point-per-game player on the wing so far this year, so it'll be interesting to see how he looks in the middle of the ice, while Rask, for his part, has been struggling offensively with only one point in eight games, so the spotlight will be on two centers that uh, have interesting circumstances around them. Young Zvechnikov, a pretty nice winger, is getting third-line minutes uh, uh, right now on the left side. They expect a lot from this kid, but the flashy 18-year-old is getting, and he's getting lots of power play time to highlight those skills, but not much on the regular shift uh, yet. I'd like to see him get some top six minutes here. Peter Mrazek in the Nets looks like the number one goalie for now after allowing a total of two goals in his uh, last two starts as Curtis McElhinney is on the IR with a lower body injury. Darling has been called up to the backup role this is a chance for him to uh, try and make a case to get back into this goalie mix AJ yeah I was honestly a little surprised that that Darling didn't get picked up off waivers um, you know obviously there's there's other considerations there in terms of cap hit I mean he's not exactly cheap uh, at 4.15 uh, million a year but uh, just you know with how he's looked uh, you know in the past I'm surprised no team wanted to kind of take a flyer on him uh, but yeah, it definitely uh, seems like Morazic will take over, but I'm guessing that Darling will be shipped back as soon as McElhenney's cleared. Um, in Chicago, this is a club that's now winless in seven games after an 0-3 week. Uh, Dylan Strom was being challenged for second-line minutes uh, despite scoring four points in six games. Uh, Artem Anisimov was getting bu- virtually the same time on the ice, and he had the same totals before entering concussion protocol this week, so gets the youngster repeat uh, looking over his shoulder for a bit. V- big veteran D-man Connor Murphy made his season debut on Sunday, hoping to bring some stability back to the blue line there, so he'll help. Up front on the left uh, wing on the second line, Dominic Cahoon uh, is getting minutes across from Patrick Kane. And that that total that he's had for 12 points in 31 games should rise with uh, the opportunity to play with one of the better puck-moving wingers in the NHL. I'm definitely surprised that Corey Crawford continues to see as many starts as he has, uh, given, as you mentioned, their their struggles lately. I mean, you look at his last uh, several games. Uh, he has a 4.43 goals against average in his last eight games, all losses, 0.871 save percentage, uh, no game with less than three goals allowed. So, and a couple of six spots in there too. So I'm really surprised. I know Cam Ward hasn't been great this year, um, but it is a, a little shocking to me to see that they haven't at least looked at the backup netminder a little bit more there. In Colorado, 
Tyson Yost is clinging to the second line left wing role despite going scoreless in his last five tilts. JT Comfer is uh, getting a look as the second line center. There's, so there's possible movement on the wing, and, and I like what's happening in the middle now that he's got some reps in since his injury. Uh, Comfer has four goals and one assist in, in his last nine games and gets his shot to drive this second line for a bit. Carl Soderberg has also picked up his pace with three goals and three assists in his last seven games. Another possible challenger to that second line scoring center role. On defense, Tyson Berry returned to the lineup but struggled to a minus six on the week last week. He'll be back up to speed and should be used in all formats because this guy's one of the better offensive blue liners in the league and this is a very good team that plus minus should turn around real soon. Well, one kind of depth guy that they're going to lose, but I, I think it's really going to stretch his team a little bit. Vladislav Kamenet is uh, scheduled for shoulder surgery. Now, we don't have a firm timetable on when he might be back, but certainly um, shoulder surgery isn't going to have him uh, facing a short-term absence, that's for sure. This is a guy that is pointless uh, in his last seven games, is, is playing minimal time, but really uh, you got to think about how it's going to impact the rest of the lineup. I think the one kind of bright spot uh, is and uh, Andrew Ghetto could get back into the lineup with uh, with Kamenov out. He got healthy, scratched a couple of times. Um, but, yeah, a little bit of shuffling in the depth here. And one guy who maybe uh, you took a flyer on is, is from time to time is going to be out of the lineup for a bit. In Columbus, Anthony Duclair missed a few games with an undisclosed injury, but then was also a healthy scratch before playing only 7 minutes and 49 seconds his last time out. Is this guy running out of rope again? It sure looks like it uh, once again for me. We've seen this act uh, die elsewhere, and it could be the youngster is blowing it again with a a good chance on a good team. Other news, uh, Josh Anderson's 12 goals has locked him into the second-line role on right wing. But on the third line, I look at a talent like Alex Wenberg as the center. He's got only one goal, although 14 assists, and a shooting percentage of only 3.6%. This mystifies me because he's a better talent than that. Should be putting more pucks in the net. Yeah, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we kind of talked about um, the depth that this team seemed to have in, in terms of scoring, and, and that has really just dried up. And then you add into the problems in the Nets, too. Bobrovsky has simply not been good enough. You can blame some of that on the defense. Uh, but he gets the hook in his most recent outing after giving up three goals on just 13 shots. He had the eight-goal allowed performance uh, a couple of games ago. Uh, and so really, really has struggled. Again, this is another situation where I think it would make sense to put uh, Jonas Corposalo in for a game not saying that you need to bench Bobrovsky, but maybe he just needs a little time off. Uh, he has played in uh, in six consecutive games, so maybe a night off would really help here. In Dallas, this is a team that went 2-1 and one last week. They reunited their big line, so that means good news for owners of Radulov on, on the wing. He's uh, topped the 20-minute mark twice in his last few games, and uh, not too many forwards can say that. So... Uh, I think he's a great DFS value right now. You include the fact that he gets in there for block shots and gets his share of hits too. That's leadership by example by a guy that we expect to be a leader on this team. Jason Spezza moves back to the number two center role and maybe joined by Brett Ritchie, who came off the IR to score his first two goals of the year last week. That chance should come his way because Como and Pitlick have done nothing with earlier top right wing minutes. Those two guys have blown an opportunity here, AJ, in my opinion. With injuries along the back end, Miro Heiskanen has emerged as a, as a force offensively, picking up five points in his last five games, while also anchoring the power play. And that's a, a surprising development. And I think 
you should go out and grab this guy uh, in season long if you can. He'll bolster your, bolster your back end for sure. Another option, especially in uh, in daily formats, but might be available in a handful of uh, season long leagues out there, is Martin Hansel. Now you're going to look and see him slotted in in a fourth line uh, role, and don't let that scare you off. You look at the two games he's played. Over two minutes of power play ice time in both those outings. He got a goal uh, most recently against Vegas that came on the power play. Four shots on goal in that game as well. So don't be scared off of uh, the the fourth line kind of designation here for Martin Hansel because he's going to play uh, on special teams here. And, and that really ups his value uh, and, and should uh, kind of bolster uh, what he can provide for you. Now, AJ, uh, the Red Wings are 13-13-4, and 1-1-1 one, last week. I got a close look at Dylan Larkin when he came with the Wings to Toronto, and uh, they upset the Leafs in overtime, in fact. Dylan Larkin clearly emerging as the club's new leader, in my opinion. He's on pace for a career-best season offensively. And take a look at the fact that he had six points last week with three two-point efforts in a row. That level of play certainly sparked the Wings to be a much better club than I thought at the start of the season. However, on the downside, Anthony Mantha broke his hand in a fight and will be lost to the club for about a month. So uh, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away with the Red Wings here, For it uh, looks like. <laughs> that creates room, though, for veteran Thomas Vanek to assume right wing two uh, minutes on the second line. The veteran is going to see his, uh, his power play time creep up, too. I see a sneaky good uh, DFS value play in him for the next little while. Absolutely. I love that call, Paul, uh, on, on Vanek here because he really hasn't been getting top six looks for most of the season, but now uh, should have an opportunity here. And look, this, you know, the injury to Mantha, we've seen this uh, happen a couple times uh, the last few seasons where a guy goes out there uh, and injures his hand or, or uh, we've seen some facial injuries from fights. And I think it's going to put added pressure from the teams on the league to maybe consider getting uh, fighting out of the game. Now, I'm not an advocate of that, but I think it's something uh, that should be, you know, kind of talked about uh, when you have guys like Anthony Mantha, who's a solid, uh, you know, kind of uh, producer for them. He's got 14 points in 26 games this year, was definitely on track to get back over 30, could have challenged for 40 again this year. Um, But now that's in doubt. Uh, with this injury. So just kind of a a discussion that I think might come up, uh, you know, this off season with, with another example of a guy being out long-term for, for an injury caused in a fight. And, uh, my eyes deceived me. The Edmonton Oilers be uh, involved in a one, nothing game recently. That's a surprise (laughs) for a team that shoots the puck into the nets and can't keep it out more often than not. Our call last week was to watch Alex chase on, uh, as a top line winger, Look what he did. He had two points and was a plus four while also logging power play time. We remind you, he's riding shotgun with their two best players. So a sneaky good value play. And I think he's in my lineup tonight, as a matter of fact. The Oilers are still looking for a solution at the second line left wing, though. And it seems like Jujar Kaira is making his case to grab that again and hold on to it, though, after tallying five points in his last five games played. In the Nets, Cam Talbot won his two starts, allowing it only a, a total of four goals over those appearances last week to respond to uh, Koskinen's re- a consistent play of late. Goaltending suddenly is a big plus here, AJ. Yeah, I'm so surprised to be saying that this year uh, for Edmonton after kind of the disastrous year that Cam Talbot had uh, the previous time out. And a lot of that, I think, has to do with bringing in Koskinen in the offseason. Uh, this has to be probably one of the best signings of 
of any team, honestly, this year uh, with how well he's performed, kind of taking over that role. He's got two shutouts in his last five games, uh, giving him three on the year. And I, I definitely think uh, he has the chance to continue to rack up uh, those those shutout performances. In Florida, this team is also another team that's even Steven on the year. 11-11-6, and 1-1-1 one and one and one last week. The Panthers are one of a few teams that has given top forwards a heavy workload. We mentioned the, the Dallas situation earlier. Consider that Huberdeau has an incredible eight multi-point games in his last ten games. He's one of those guys, too. And along with him, Barkov, nine points in his last seven games played. These guys are all logging over 20 minutes, and now they're playing together, too, here in Florida again. Their less heralded right wing is Evgeny Dadanov, and guess what? That makes him a strong DFS play. Uh, surprisingly good value. All he's done is produce at a point-per-game pace through his 28 games played this year, and nobody's talking about him at all. I also know that Lu- note that Luongo started this week with a shutout, but looked very weak in two losses that followed, continuing a career-worst start for him. And on top of a head, on a top-heavy team, all the stars have to be great. That's not happening right now, as long as their uh, veteran goalie is not delivering the goods on the back end. Well, while Barkov might be stepping up to the plate, uh, you know. Trocek, Bukestad, both out. Bukestad going to miss another two games. Uh, Jared McCann and Dennis Malgin have really not filled in at all. You look at McCann specifically, one assist in his last four games, and that's with plenty of power play uh, opportunities. Now, that lone helper did come with the man advantage, but simply not getting it done uh, either with uh, the power play or five on five. And so uh, I would expect we could see some shuffling around of this this kind of second line i think the top line is set uh, but after that it gets a little dicey and they really need to get trochak and buke said back uh if if they want to make uh the playoffs the la kings are a team that's not going to make the playoffs aj i'll make that bold call right now they're 11 <laughs> 18 and 1 1 and 2 last week as expected, Jonathan, though Jonathan Quick made a big difference in two of the three games last week, he'll get better with a few more reps, so it's not going to be the walkover that it was earlier this season for opponents of the Kings with uh, their star netminder back in the fold. Injuries, however, to several regular forwards have led to a roster stru- shuffle here, and now we project that recently acquired Brendan Leipzig will get a long look on the second line next to Jeff Carter, where he tallied points in his last two starts. Similarly, Mike Luff is on the right side on that line, and he received heavy power play minutes last week and uh, might expect that to continue with the uh, vacancies uh, on the roster here a third young forward to watch might be michael amadio who saw a short increase uh, sharp increase in minutes with a two-point effort in his last game with this looking like a lost season here expect these kids to get lots of audition opportunities yeah, it's one of those situations where you look at the lineup uh, and the injury report here and you wonder what could have been. I mean, Kyle Clifford banged up, Trevor Lewis, Carl Hagelin, Ilya Kovalchuk, uh, even Johnny Brodzinski, all dealing with injuries. And that's a completely different look uh, for this this lineup if those guys are healthy. I think Jonathan Quick is going to face uh, some added workload here with Alec Martinez dealing with an injury as well. Uh, he's out for, for a pretty good stretch here. He didn't join the team on their four-game road trip uh, due to an upper body injury, so that's going to keep him out until at least the, the 18th, uh, and so that's a pretty significant absence for them that they'll have to try and fill in, and, and frankly, uh, they're, I doubt they're going to be able to, to put guys in that'll fill that role. 
The Minnesota Wild uh, suffered a blow. We were talking about them as one of the healthiest clubs all year long, but all of a sudden, Miko Koivu looks to be out for them for the next three weeks with a sprained MCL. That hampers one of the strongest one-two punches in the league. They'll try to lean on winger Charlie Coyle in that role, and he uh, responded early on by registering an assist, but also a minus three rating last week. If you like offense from a blue line on your teams, this team has the luxury of three capable scorers on the back end that are worth noting. Uh, Suter, Dumba, and Spurgeon are all scoring consistently here of late. For one game, though, uh, in the nets behind them, it looked like Dubnik was finally look like, like, looking like his former steady self. He's had a kind of, kind of an up-and-down season, AJ, and, and he got blown out in his last start, so I'm not sure he's a veteran that you can trust right now in the nets. Yeah, that's certainly a, a question mark. Uh, you really are going to have to kind of pick and choose your spots uh, to utilize Dubnik here based on matchup. I do want to point out uh, one guy getting a look with Miko Koivu out is Luke Kunin. Uh, he's dealt with a, a, a pretty significant ACL injury uh, last year, and so that kind of hampered his numbers in the minors and with Minnesota, but uh, definitely a player to watch and, and could be a solid pickup in your season-long leagues. Might be sitting out there and available and, and worth uh, worth at least diving into, looking at those minor league numbers and, and considering snatching him up. Well, and the Montreal Canadiens went 3-0 and last week. They're all of a sudden at 15-10-5, looking like a winning team again, uh, sweeping three games against weak opposition. You've got to take advantage of those opportunities. They did so last week. Carey Price uh, was solid in the Nets, limiting the damage against him to only six total goals. Uh, I still have a problem with, uh, with Dano as their number one center, <laughs> AJ. This guy's only got two goals along with 15 assists, but it's telling that he's not getting power play time over his last eight games at all. On the flip side, you couldn't ask for a better run from Shea Weber in his return. He's got five points and a plus five rating in six games played. Rookie Jesperi Kanyemi, another center worth watching, snapped a six-game pointless streak here with three assists, but he hasn't scored a goal in 13 games played. Look, this guy's a, f- a top future prospect for sure, but that future certainly doesn't look like it's now. If you got him, be patient and reserve him if you can in keeper leagues. Well, you highlighted Shea Weber, and, and you look at the game since he's been back. Uh, they're 4-2-0. and oh. uh, Carey Price has a .920 save percentage. So I think that just speaks to how important he was to this team. Uh, obviously, they would like to have Noah Yulson available at the same time. Uh, no kind of initial word on whether, you know, when he might be back. Uh, but I think it's going to be sooner rather than later. So um, just, you know, one of those things where you get somebody back uh, at a different position, it's going to factor throughout the lineup. I think it makes their power play significantly better. You know, you mentioned, uh, you know, the importance of, of guys getting those minutes and having Weber out there really makes everybody on that first power play unit so much better. In Nashville, this team went 1-2 and two last week, but hardly anybody noticed because they're still sitting there with one of the better records in the league at 19-10-1. Colton Sissons responded to a scoring line opportunity that we projected last week as the interim second-line center scoring two goals and one assist, so good call for us. One of many that we made last week, incidentally, when I look back at it. Ryan Hartman has also been moved up, taking on uh, the top left-wing role in place of Philip Forsberg. While he only has one goal in three, in three games, his shots on goal rate has risen, and he should be seeing more positive results if he keeps that up 
in that same situation. The impact of a lengthy injury list is seen in the fact that Pecorini has allowed uh, goals against at a higher rate, almost three per game in his last five starts. That's a, an unusual blip for him. There's a good <coughs> chance, though, that P.K. Subban will return to action tonight against Ottawa, and that is welcome news to the Nashville situation. Absolutely. I mean, this is a club that we highlight all the time about how deep they are on the blue line, but there is simply... <clears throat> excuse me, no replacing a guy of P.K. Subban's caliber. Uh, if you uh, bought in on Eli Tol, uh, Tolvanen and then saw that he sat their most recent game, I wouldn't panic about that right now. Uh, Austin Watson picked up an injury, wasn't at practice, and reportedly was uh, wearing a walking boot as well. No clear indication on when he might be available, how long uh, he's going to be out, but I think it opens up an additional opportunity for Tolvanen to slot back into the lineup and could get a, a couple more looks. So don't panic on him quite yet. In New Jersey, we have another goalie situation to talk about. The tandem of Schneider and Kincaid continues to struggle, however, allowing 12 goals in the three games played last week. A pair of two-goal games offensively put Kyle Palmieri that much further ahead of the rest of his mates here. He's got twice as many goals as the next guy on the roster, I think. And uh, on defense, Damon Severson has also separated himself from his mates as a capable points producer now with 17 points on the year. I've been touting this guy for a long while, AJ, going back a year and a half, I think. He's finally showing the offensive upside that he displayed on a regular basis in the AHL. So uh, if you were patient and held on to him, you're finally being rewarded. Look at you talking about the AHL, Paul, (laughs) taking a play out of my book. Uh, no, but, uh, you know, one, one guy who I think was kind of disappointing, uh, in his start in in New Jersey, uh, was Marcus Johansson. Now, obviously he dealt with significant injuries last year, limited him to just 29 games, uh, but kind of had a slow start to this year as well. But it looks like he's starting to turn that around seven points in his last nine games, uh, seeing minimal, uh, I'm sorry, producing minimally on the power play, despite seeing heavy minutes there, uh, 242 average uh, during that nine game stretch. So uh, having him uh, get going on the power play, I think would be huge for them. You look at his shots on goal uh, more often than not, he's up in the four or five per game mark. And so this is a player that I really uh, think is worth targeting right now, even if he's not producing on the power play Uh, he is finding the back of the net he's putting efforts on target and that's all you can really ask for well and the islanders are having (coughs) trouble getting the scoring going Uh, talk about getting things on target they're still 14 11 and 3 which is a nice record but when only one and two last week Uh, as i said the offense has dried up here over the last 10 games they're only scoring six goals in the three games they played last week for example offensively and specifically, Anders League is trying to do his part with four goals in his last five games played, but is still well off the pace that he showed all of last season. They're also getting precious little offense from the blue line here, which is combined to co- contribute only eight goals as a group in 31 games played. That's one of the lowest totals around the entire NHL. For instance, perennial 40-point blue liner, we've highlighted him quite a bit, Nick Letty, he's on pace for only 20 points this year. Uh, the fact that they're keeping a lid on shots on goal for their goalies is the only key element that has kept them in games lately. Well, you talked about a bad offense that may actually get worse. Uh, Jordan Eberly and Cal Clutterbuck were both uh, forced to leave the game last night in the third period. Uh, and so that could really hurt uh, this team's ability to find the back of the net. Uh, it, it definitely, uh, Eberly 
yes, he hasn't produced a ton lately. He's on an eight game goal drought only has two assists over that stretch, but this is a perennial uh, power play guy for them. And eventually you have to imagine he was going to, you know, get off the schneid there and get rolling. But now uh, a potential injury is only going to hurt this team's offense even more. In New York with the Rangers, they were 1-0 and in a very quiet week for them. Skilled wingers Pavel Duknevich and Matt Zuccarello are both nearing returns, and that's great news. They should both slide back into top six roles later this week. Of course, that's going to cost some people, and one of the targets that I see for a demotion is Philip Cheidel. Uh, the youngsters only managed one assist in his last seven games, so he might need to, some time away from some of the top checkers, and a third-line role might just suit him for the time being. On the blue line, Kevin Shattenkirk, they're... Uh, big money acquisition from a while uh, a year ago is playing on the third D pairing and threatening to repeat his poor output output from last season at least that looks to be offset by the continued development of a trio of youngsters as Pionk, D'Angelo and Shea are all getting big minutes and a lot of reps and uh, they all have a, a bit of an offensive upside at least two of them I'm pretty confident Shea and Pionk can hold up the scoring end of the bargain on the blue line. Well, again, another big injury last night. Uh, No news yet, but Kevin Shattenkirk uh, had to leave the game uh, with a perceived shoulder injury. Um, So that's only going to add added value uh, to those blue liners that you mentioned. All three of those guys could take on even bigger roles uh, with Shattenkirk out of the lineup. The only good injury news right now is there's a chance they get Matt Zuccarello back sometime soon. But that injury has really been lingering for a while. Uh, They I think the problem is they tried to let him go uh, and come back a couple of times. You know, you look at his games played recently. He had two games in which uh, he suited up while dealing with this injury, uh, but missed far more uh, than he played in. So uh, definitely one to watch might be close, but it's, it's definitely not looking good. Uh, in Ottawa, this team was 1-2-1 one, and one last week. Two veterans made it onto the club's IR with very d- different storylines around them. Uh, Matt Duchesne with a long-term injury stint with a lower body injury is the subject of a lot of trade speculation. Will he be dealt by the deadline? Will he even be healthy by then in his walk year? Another guy that has been the subject of much scrutiny, Bobby Ryan, on the other hand, continues to be very injury-prone and underproducing his $7.2 million cap hit. Which, which has three more years to run after this one. So uh, dumping him is a top priority, but I don't think there's any takers around the league, I, uh, I would expect. Despite an absence of high-end skill around him, Mark Stone has four goals and three assists in his last five games. Oh, yeah, he's another pending UFA. It's a mess here in Ottawa. <laughs> yeah, I mean, injuries really making this club go uh, from bad to worse. Obviously, Duchesne was the focal point of this offense, and and really without him, uh, I think things are just going to really dry up in terms of scoring here. Uh, No clear indication, again, uh, when Duchesne might be back, uh, but obviously being on IR doesn't indicate a a return in the near future. Uh, You know, Brady Chichuk is probably going to be the guy tasked with carrying the load here um, but he's kind of hit a slump recently no points in his last six games that's to be expected for a 19 year old rookie playing in the league for the first time he's going to have these ups and downs but uh, if if Ottawa's going to stay afloat here while uh, Duchesne's gone it's it's going to be up to Tichuk I think 
Over in Philadelphia, Sean Couturier is out nursing a lower body injury results, which results in Claude Giroux sliding over to the first-line center role. He hasn't played in the middle for about the last couple of years, but he's still one of the best hockey players around, so don't fret about that switch. He's now going to be between Travis Konechny and JVR, who is just starting to play with a level of comfort in his new surroundings after a complete injury recovery process and now seeing regular time on the power play. So I look for big things for, for the big winger, and Konechny is also a guy who can fill the net so this is still look, looks like a pretty good top line for me Scott Lawton has seen a spike in his playing time as the new number two center where he's collected four assists in his last five starts I'm a bit surprised however at the way they're using Jakob Voracek in a third line role here don't really understand that this guy's been a top six winger all of his career credit him for though, no, though for not sulking about his current circumstance instead he's making a case for more prominent role after co- collecting yet another six points in his last five games played well i really thought that nolan patrick would be the player that would slot into that top line role uh for you know for couturier out um but you know obviously they they are seeing something different now uh part of that could be the fact that he was on a 10 uh, game pointless streak he did pick up an assist in their most recent outing so that could be kind of the impetus that he needs to get get going there uh shots on goal even during the slump are, are decent you know it's it's still an 11 game goal drought but he's getting two to three uh sometimes four shots on goal per game so uh definitely not for a lack of effort there but i am a little surprised uh, to see him not get bumped up with with couturier out in Pittsburgh, well, I want to hear what you have to say about all the situations going on here. An injury to right wing Dominic Simone has co- coincided with the roster shuffle here. He lost a first line gig, gig with that uh, ouster. Jake Gunsell is back uh, to the flank on Sidney Crosby's line. He produced uh, 14 uh, in his last 14 games, played 16 points. And uh, I, I th- see big things for uh, a guy who came to prominence on Crosby's wing in the past. But uh, surprisingly, on the other flank, I see Phil Kessel's name. I don't understand that mix. Uh, Kessel's not sur- not thrived with uh, Sydney in the past, so it'll be interesting to see what, what pans out there. Uh, another move that surprised me is Riley Sheehan seeing his play- playing time rise, but he's now on the right wing. He's always been a center here, too. Uh, another guy uh, I want your comment on is Brian Rust sla- snapping a six-game pointless streak. He's played the top six minutes in the past. He had a pair of assists uh, last week. It coincided with a bump in his ice time. What do you think of all this movement, AJ? Well, I'll, I'll start with Phil Kessel. I, I think it's great to see him playing with Crosby. Um, he, he obviously has thrived with Malkin and really hasn't played uh, five on five with Crosby really since he first uh, showed up with the Penguins since they made the move to acquire him. They tried him there a little bit uh, and bailed on that relatively early. And since then, uh, you know, this is going back several years. They haven't really ever played together five on five. And seems to be, you know, figuring it out well so far. So I like that move. I am in favor of Riley Shahan moving over to the wing only because, look, he's not going to take uh, a center spot away from Crosby, Malkin, or Brassard. So kind of stuffing Shehan down in that fourth line role, uh, I, I think underutilizes the player that he can be. And you are trying to fill in for Patrick Hornquist having an injury and obviously Simone, as you mentioned, being on IR. So uh, I love all that. I also really like the fact that they're able to bring uh, Jean-Sebastien D back from New Jersey. Uh, he ended up on waivers and they snatched him back. Uh, and now he's playing and, and scored a goal right away back uh, after getting you know called up 
And so I think this is another uh, kind of good move to have him on the on the roster here. We'll see what happens. Matt Cullen uh, seems to be close to returning. Patrick Hornquist is close. So we'll see. Uh, more shuffling is definitely on the way with getting those guys back. But for now, I kind of like all these line combos. Well, and you mentioned all the shuffling, AJ. We'll remind our listeners that we do a great job. You're intimately involved with keeping the rosters updated and, and in order. And we refer to that in, in uh, preparation for this show. So we behooves all our listeners to get on the RotoWire website and take a look every day to see the roster movement. And the Pittsburgh is a prime example right now. San Jose Sharks, they're 3-1 last week. Thomas Hurdle is playing a complete game of late with 10 block shots in his last four games. That equals his total from the first 20 games this season. This guy's all in uh, and playing great hockey all around in the top six role. Along with that, he's in, uh, entrenched as a top-line left winger with three goals and one assist in his last six games played. Another winger that's doing okay and uh, not missing a beat is Timo Meyer. He rejoined the lineup and uh, collected five points in the three games they played uh, most recently. With a healthy and strong lineup in front of him, it's time for Marty Jones to play more consistently and get better results than he's shown so far. There are no excuses left, and I think he's ready to turn the corner. Yeah, I mean, this team has quite the complement of defensemen. Uh, one kind of surprise move lately is Redeem Simic slotting in over Joakim Ryan and playing with Brent Burns. Now, there is definitely a tendency uh, if you see a guy playing with Burns to, to kind of utilize him. I'm going to throw a little bit of uh, cold water on that. You look at Simic's five games played right now. He only has two shots on net. Now, one of those did find the back of the net against New Jersey. Um, but with that shot rate being so low, I this is one situation where I just because he's playing with Burns, I wouldn't necessarily utilize him in my lineups uh, and kind of. Uh, look for other options. You know, Vlasic, I think, would be a better kind of discount option here uh, if you don't want to pay up for Burns or Carlson. In St. Louis, this is a team that surprisingly is floundering, AJ. Uh, the Blues are searching for a spark, and they made a surprise decision to insert Jordan Kiru into the top line right wing situation, and he came through with a lone goal in a rout at the hands of the Vancouver Canucks. It seems as though other players aren't getting that kind of production as they expected. Consider Tyler Bozak, 11 points, Alex Steen, 11 points, Top Guns Tarasenko with 20, and Shen, 16. All four of these guys underperforming. That's led to rampant speculation that we touched on at the beginning of the show that they'll be sellers at the trade deadline and maybe maybe a lot sooner. Alex Pietrangelo, though, is injured. Uh, we mentioned he remains a prime target out there if he can get healthy. But I'm surprised that hulking, the hulking defender, Colton Pareko, his name is out there as well. Uh, aren't you? Uh, not, not a ton. Um, you know, just because... He's kind of their their blue chip uh, prospect here, other than you know, other than obviously Petrangelo. Um, but I actually think more likely a player like Patrick Maroon probably gets shipped out. Uh, he's you know going to be a UFA after the season. I think that makes him a prime candidate to go somewhere. Uh, another player possibly would be Joel Edmondson. He's just 25 years old, making $3 million a year. He is going to be an RFA next season, so it wouldn't necessarily be a rental. Uh, and that could also have uh, some value and some intrigue to teams. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it, how it shakes out here. They put Chad Johnson on waivers after a really bad outing by him uh, in which he gave up three goals on just 15 shots. And so it looks like Jordan Bennington is going to come in and, and be the backup to Jake Allen here. Yeah, I wonder if Bennington gets a start this week. I'm pretty excited about that because uh, 
friend of the family, I'll say that. Plug, a little plug for him. In Tampa, they've won f- six in a row now, uh, seven in a row uh, if you count last night's game, and we will. Uh, I, I didn't expect this run from a team that was missing its top goalie. Vasilevsky's still out for a little while, but credit to Domingue. He's picked up six of those wins, allowing only 13 goals against. Uh, last week, we said, watch out for where Andre Palat might fit in. I expected him. I didn't expect him to line up with Stankos because, but they've played together in the past. It's paid off well. Before last night, he picked up two goals and an assist last week. After a slow offensive start on the blue line, Victor Hedman is certainly uh, looking like the all-star that he uh, has been in throughout his career, picking up before last night's game 10 points in his last 12 games. And I know he was in the score sheet last night as well, AJ. Yeah, and it looks like they could uh, be getting close to getting uh, Anton Strahlman back here sooner rather than later. Uh, that's going to bolster a, a pretty decent blue line. Uh, you know, Eric Cernick has been in for quite a while uh, with, you know, with Strahlman's extended absence, and he's performed admirably. Now he's not uh, racking up a ton of points, but he puts some shots on net. He's got a couple of helpers here, so uh, maybe uh, in in – uh, your season-long leagues, if you're in a deeper format, might be a player to look at. I think he's making an argument to to still get minutes even once Strawman comes back, although his contract and the ability to move him down to the minors without waivers could sim- certainly impact their decision there. And the Maple Leafs, we get to them. They're sitting with a 29-1 and record. A 1-1-1 mark last week has a lot of fans wringing their hands, though. Uh, a two-game suspension to Zach Hyman means a promotion to the top line for depth forward Connor Brown. And I like that fit. He'll be moving in there with Tavares and Marner. He'll be the digger on that line, but should see uh, his name in the score sheet with those productive forwards beside him. He's a very attractive DFS play, in fact, in that slot tonight for my money. There was also, like I said, a lot of hand-wringing after that, sec- that loss on Saturday in Boston. There's no panic in this corner from from the loyal fan that I am. Be reminded that those same Bruins lost three straight in uninspired fashion before that game. So really, it's a one one game in in December, folks. Let's not jump off the bandwagon just yet. Willie Nylander has looked like he's a step behind in his first two games, not really even threatening the net. But be patient with him because he'll get going soon. And when he does, it'll be fun to watch on the wing with with uh, Austin Matthews. For his part, the big center has 26 points in 16 games played nobody's talking about that too much aj but that's 130 points pace on the season (laughs) i don't really think that's going to hold up but uh it certainly would be an impressive year and i think it would all but guarantee uh you win our dollar bet there matthews (laughs) thought i'd throw that in 30 points (laughs) thought i'd throw Uh, that (laughs) (laughs) but i i do think uh it's interesting to see nylander in that that third line role and i put all of that on andreas johnson who's just been absolutely on a tear lately, 10 points in his last seven games, uh, five goals, five assists there, and really has been performing uh, outlandishly, for for lack of a better term. And so I think that forces Nylander uh, into that lower role. Uh, Kasperi Kapanen, I think, did enough uh, during uh, Nylander's absence to really lock himself in on, on Matthew's line. So it gives you a really intriguing uh, third line of, of Nylander, Kadri, and Patrick Marlowe. Uh, so uh, it, it makes um, the Maple Leafs perhaps one of the deeper teams in the league in terms of scoring lines. 
in Vancouver. This team went 2-1 and one last week. They're starting to get some of their young guns back in the lineup. Brock Besser, one of them, he came back with a bang, collecting five goals and a one helper in six games played after his injury stint to work with Elias Patterson, who has this guy clinched the Rookie of the Year award already or what? The young <laughs> pivot has recorded eight points last week. Uh, to add to what he's done before. The fortunate left wing on this unit is Josh Levo. Yeah, that's the guy who was playing fourth line minutes in Toronto. He's looked really good here in Vancouver. A big physical guy who's been recording a consistent consistent shots on goal rate and protecting the other two guys as well with his physical play. He's going to get lots of power play time here for the time being. A great DFS uh, play right now as long as this situation holds. Speaking of that power play, it's quarterback Alex Hedler that I want to remind our listeners about. He's now seven games into his return from injury, logging lots of time and blocking lots of shots as well. I think he's another sneaky good value play when you keep uh, DFS in mind for and looking for cheap scoring blue liners. Yeah, I, I definitely think Levo uh, uh, is a great option in DFS. I'm a little bit hesitant to jump on him in, in season long uh, unless you're okay kind of with the risk of having to drop him down the road. Sven Berchi uh, is heading in the right direction. I don't think his return is quite eminent, but I think when he comes back, probably slots into to the first line role with Horvat and Vertanen, which pushes Goldobin down uh, to possibly that second line. And then, then Levo is the odd man out there. Obviously he has a chance uh, here for a little bit to secure his spot there and make an argument for him being in the top six over Goldobin when Berchi's back, but definitely one to monitor and, and kind of gives me pause uh, to utilize Levo in, in season long formats. In Vegas, this is a team that racked up another winning week. They were 3-1 and one last week. They're all of a sudden 17-14-1 and one and in a playoff spot. The team is rolling right now like they did last season, in my opinion. They're about to get stronger also with the return of Paul Stastny as a scoring line pivot. He'll accompany the team on a four-game road swing, which begins tomorrow night. That'll mean uh, that uh, Cody Ekun will likely drop down to the third-line center role, and it's too bad because he's already matched last year's goal total with 11. But maybe he can spark a third scoring unit here, just like what the Leafs have that you mentioned. I also think it's worth reminding our listeners that Nate Schmidt has been credited with providing a solid defensive depth uh, since his return. But he's underrated offensively and yet has also chipped in there with four points in his last four games played. Well, if you're not going to do it, I'll have to talk about Marc-Andre Fleury, (laughs) who currently leads the league uh, with 17 wins right now. Definitely has a chance, uh, you know, for another 30 win uh, campaign hasn't had one of those in a couple of years last year due to injuries the year before uh, being replaced by Matt Murray so it hasn't been since the 2015-16 campaign that he hit the 30 win mark has only hit the 40 win mark twice in his career and I don't think that's outside of the realm of possibility right now with how well he's playing obviously you've got you know the five goal uh, outing against LA that's kind of been Flurry's game for most of his career. Every once in a while, uh, these real bad outings are going to pop up, but more often than not, he's going to win you the game, and, and that has been the case. Nine wins, two losses in his last 11 games, and I expect him to keep rolling. And another team that keeps rolling is the Washington Capitals. The defending champs are on another club that's chugging along right now in fine style, and they, uh, they anticipate the return of TJ Oshie, tonight, possibly even tonight, AJ, after missing the last 11 games with a concussion. 
Tom Wilson is another top six forward that's missed the last two games with his own concussion issues. Though he's expected to resume skating drills later this week and could be back uh, in shorter time than Oshi missed. So keep an eye on that situation because he's another guy that will lock into the top six role there. Brett Connolly's taken full advantage of these absences, though, on the right wing, playing top six minutes and producing six points in his last six games played. Again, as we forecast uh, for him, geez, AJ, we're on a bit of a roll with this good advice on a week-to-week basis, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely have been some solid calls lately. Um, but, you know, every once in a while, you, you got to uh, take a stinker where there is one. And, and in this case, I think it's Andre Burakowski, who was in a first-line role, but now with Oshi being back, he's projected to be out of the lineup entirely and serving as a healthy scratch. A little bit surprised to see that move. Uh, I've been high on Burakowski uh, for a while, but seems to never really earn uh, consistent playtime or consistent minutes, whether it was uh, with Barry Trotz before or Todd Reardon now. Uh, And so you have to wonder if maybe if there's uh, an option here to bolster another position, maybe Burakowski is a a trade uh, possibility here. If they're not going to utilize him, I think there's other teams out there who'd be willing to give him a look and and give him more opportunities. Well, and I'll uh, reveal that in looking at the Winnipeg situation, I'm really happy that we called out Connor Hellybuck. He's been on uh, instrumental on uh, several of my uh, teams in the last couple of years in DFS play and season long. Uh, he's played a little bit subpar so, over the, so far this year, but he responded arguably with his best week so far this season, allowing only three goals over starts, uh, three starts last week. He's also been aided by the return of Dmitry Kulikov on the blue line. That means that this, this complements back to full strength. It's one of the most imposing units as far as uh, defensive depth is concerned around the league. Up front, it's unfortunate for Matthew Perot that he's dealing with a leg injury, AJ, at a time when he's, he'd found his game offensively, collecting six points of his 10 points on the season over the last nine games. He's a better scorer than what he showed earlier on, and it's unfortunate he'll be missing here. Uh, it's a great work by scoring options, second sco- secondary scoring options. They've got so many to choose from here. This is a really deep hockey club. Absolutely, and, and it, uh, one player I'll, I'll mention here, especially DFS, but I'd even take a look at him in your season long, Mason Appleton, uh, 18 points in 19 games in the minors this year, had 66 in uh, 76 games last year, just one assist through his first five games so far uh, in, the, in the NHL, but I expect, uh, especially if Perot's out for a little bit, Appleton's minutes could creep up a little bit, and I think that'll be good news for him. Uh, if he can get, you know, maybe bump to that third line, play with uh, Lowry and Tanev, uh, there's some definite possibilities for him to start uh, clicking a little bit more. And we're going to try and click here with our FanDuel picks, AJ. We'll remind our listeners, over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. You and I are on that list for sure. To take advantage of our special offer for Roto- for new users, please sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. These contests are void. We're prohibited. Lucky for me, I can play them. <laughs> AJ, we got a big slate of games, 10 of them it looks like tonight. I'm certainly going to be interested in the Leafs and Carolina, but interested also to see how uh, other games pan out. Uh, the one, the signature one to me, looks like the last one on the slate, the Edmonton Oilers visiting the Colorado Avalanche. That should be a... I, I think you got to bet the over on this one, don't you? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, I would I would shy towards the over for sure in that contest. Uh, I'm I'm honestly a little disappointed in in the slate tonight. You know, you've got 
good teams going, but in some cases against not so great competition, Nashville against Ottawa, Florida, St. Louis, Winnipeg could light it, light it up against Chicago, uh, Washington, Detroit, although Detroit's been playing a little bit better lately. Um, so, uh, the, the options there in terms of, you know, games to watch might be a little limited, but I think that's good news, uh, for fantasy play out there and for your DFS lineups, because there's definitely some teams that you want to capitalize on and starting with the optimizer. Uh, it's all in, uh, actually on Carolina tonight against Toronto. It's got three picks, uh, from the Carolina, but it starts off with really big numbers uh, in terms of the center. The optimizer likes Connor McDavid at 9,200 and Nathan McKinnon at 8,800. But we did talk about taking the over. The over-under on that game is currently six, uh, and it could be definitely an over. Going to go, the optimizer likes Kyle Connor for Winnipeg. We talked about that game potentially being high scoring all on the Winnipeg side. And then here's where Carolina comes in. So the optimizer likes uh, Tivo Teravainen, for 5,100 and Andre Svechnikov for 3,800. And then it rounds out Ryan Donato for Boston at 3,100. So some intriguing options there. Defensively, Optimizer likes Roman Yossi at 6,400. And then Justin Falk, the third uh, Carolina uh, play here in the Optimizer for 4,400. And all that rounds out with Peke Rene at 9,000 for Nashville tonight. I like uh, his chances of of coming away with a win here, uh, but I'm a little gun shy on that big salary. Uh, But, uh, you know, what do you think uh, in terms of, you know, Pega Rene and and how you stacked your lineup? Well, there is a stack opportunity here uh, for me tonight. Like you implied, there are some mismatches. Uh, I'm not, I didn't go in the Nashville direction. I went with the Winnipeg Jets in mine, and uh, I started also also, uh, looking at Austin Matthews. I highlighted his points per game, 26 points in 16 games played, a goal per game pace against a Carolina team with suspect goaltending. Sign me up for a big night for the the (laughs) number 34 tonight of the Maple Leafs. I pair him with David Krejci, who looks awfully good, subbing in for Patrice Bergeron as the center of choice in Boston. $5,900, a cheap, cheap value for a real good matchup here against Arizona. The visitors tonight. I also highlighted the fact that uh, the sidekick theory kicks in here. Alex Chason playing with uh, Dreisaitl and that McDavid character in what I think will be a shootout. You get him for $4,600, AJ. I think my lineup looks awesome here tonight. I'm I'm pretty excited about it. (laughs) And it continues with Kyle Connor, again, in a mismatch situation. Top six forward for the Jets at home, $5,200. Another great value. And then uh, the the, the sidekick theory kicks in as Florida visits a St. Louis team that's in disorder. I paid, uh, spent up to get Evgeny Dadanoff, but I like the fact he's running with two of the top scoring guys in uh, Florida's situation as well. Nikolai Ehlers, another top winger, only $5,600. Boy, they're underpricing the Jets uh, <laughs> forwards here, in my opinion, AJ. And also double down on that with Jacob Truba, who's picked up his scoring pace on the blue line. Sub $5,000 for, for that guy. Uh, anytime, my friends. And then Rasmus Ristolainen, I've seen a few of his games of late, and he's uh, carrying the offensive flag for the Sabres as Rasmus Dalin continues to get his... Uh, feet wet uh, in, in a rookie season. Ristolainen for $5,000 against LA. Another good looking value. Connor Hellybuck in the Nets for $8,500. I can't believe I got all this good value. I'm going to guarantee that this team hits pay dirt for me tonight. All right. That's a that's a bold <laughs> call by Paul. We'll have to see how it pans out uh, for, for your lineup here. Uh, I 
am also stacking Winnipeg, but I went with the more expensive options uh, who highlight that uh, that top uh, power play unit. And that's Mark Shifley at center for 8,400, Patrick Line on the wing at 8,400, and Blake Wheeler for 7,600. I think it's going to be a big night for that power play, and I think Winnipeg is going to put a lot of pucks into the back of the net. Uh, I did also spend up and do kind of a mini line stack here. For Elias Pettersson, 6,300 as my other center for Vancouver. Uh, and then Josh Levo for 3,000. I don't think you're going to find a better value uh, for a guy in a top six role uh, than Levo. Now, I spent a lot of money here, and so I did have to take kind of a, a risky play, cheap option. Troy Brower, 3,200. We talked about, uh, you know, you talked about Florida facing a, a struggling uh, St. Louis team, and this might be what that second line of Brower, McCann, and Hoffman needs uh, to kind of get going here. So I'm kind of taking a risk there, um, but I, you know, at 3,200, that's a risk I'm willing to take. Defensively, uh, you talked earlier about Alex Edler for Vancouver. Uh, 4,700, so not overpriced, uh, and I think a great option. Zach Wierinski for 4,900. Again, a little bit uh, more expensive uh, options on the D, uh, kind of mid-range guys here, but I think both can provide value. And then I think you hit the nail on the head, and I'm going to use the same guy in the pipes, Connor Hellybuck, facing Chicago tonight, I, I think is a, a solid, solid play, and you save 500 bucks compared uh, to a Pekka Rene. Yeah, so that that makes the case. I I think you you put the exclamation point on Halibuck's choice. AJ, when we turn to the stud of the week, I wrote this up yesterday afternoon before Steven Stamkos went out and recorded a hat trick to further build his case. When uh, Andre Vasilevsky went down with his injury, I thought the Bolts would suffer big time. But the high octane offense has instead found its top gear, and the captain is leading the way here. Before last night's hat trick, he had four goals and three assists to lead all shooters around the league, so he's on fire right now, and he also gets credit in the bigger picture for leaving money on the table here so that the management team could add lots of quality around him. Remember that he took an $8.5 million per year deal when he could have signed for 11 or 12 elsewhere had he accepted the top, op- top offer. I'm hearing that it came from Toronto, incidentally. He, uh, he's also very happy with his lot in, uh, in the sun, uh, sun st- Sunshine State, and he's helped to create that winning environment on and off the ice gets full credit for me for being a solid citizen there. I wonder if any other stars around the NHL will make similar deals in the coming years. I'm, yes, I'm talking to you, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't hold out hope that those guys are going to take a, take a discount. You know, you look at Stamkos, a little bit different situation. Uh, he had already made uh, some money on his previous contract. Let's not forget he had that five-year kind of bridge deal that paid him 7.5 a year, uh, whereas you know Marner and Matthews are coming off their ELCs. Those guys are going to want to make a little bit of buck there. And and honestly, the situation uh, you know with Nylander has me a little scared. Uh, Jake Gensel is going to want to get paid and I think could make an argument that he deserves even more uh, than, than what Nylander got especially based on postseason success. But to the point about the stud of the week, I think Stamkos is a great uh, pick there, has been absolutely lights out lately, and I expect him to continue rolling uh, and could really uh, help get this team over the finish line uh, in, into Stanley Cup contention. AJ, I have a multi-pronged rant of the week, and give me some space here because we got to go through it here. Uh, I'm talking <laughs> about the referees. I'm talking league discipline. Just and, justice and consistency, even taking a shot at broadcasters. 
Uh, look, there were three questionable hits last week, in my opinion, that I saw. We saw Reeves hit on Wilson, Hyman's hit on McAvoy, and Wagner's hit on Riley. Only one of them was suspended, in, in fact, and it was the Leaf player, Hyman, so that hit a nerve with me. In each case, though, the victim was clar- targeted by what is now being called a predatory. That's the new buzzword, AJ. Predatory, deliberate, or late hit on the unsuspecting opponent. However, like I said, only one player was suspended. That was Hyman, a first-time offender at that, and he got slapped with two games. Typically, first-timers get one game for something like this. Reeves, who may be the meanest player in the league, took out a hated hated rival with no extra punishment, which was a a surprise. But the Wagner hit... Uh, and and Hyman hits were virtually identical in the same game where the victims both were guilty of watching their passes and not expecting hits, which caught them in the upper body with no direct head contact that I saw. One of them gets suspended out of the three. They all could have been. At least the two in the same game should certainly have been. That's selective justice, in my opinion. And that leads me to wanting to call out a broadcaster, Jack Edwards of the Boston Bruins. This guy is such a homer, AJ. I don't know if you ever listened to the Boston broadcast, but he ranted about Hyman. uh, And and yet he comes to the defense of Brad Marchand for his repeated antics. Look at Mark. We'll recap what Marchand's done recently. He kissed an opponent. And then he grabbed another guy by the face mask. This was a player who was dealing with a broken jaw. And yet this guy sees it's A-OK. And he also saw an unsuspecting defenseman from an opposing team watch his pass. He says, look at him, watch his pass. And then he gets drilled by a Boston winger. And this guy's jumping up and down saying, that was a great hit, great hit. Well, the shoe was on the other foot. And he showed that he was being very selective in his opinions. I think in the future, I'm just going to turn the volume down on my TV. <laughs> oh man. So where to start on this one? Uh obviously I I did not uh I did not take uh take in that uh that uh game and so I did not hear uh that. So I'll leave that take uh where it is. Uh, as far as the hits go, uh I do think what's interesting on the Hyman suspension is the fact that it was an interference call. Uh that was one of the reasons they cited that Reeves didn't get suspended was that it was uh, a an interference hearing versus a, a hit to the head hearing. But then you have Hyman come in with, you know, kind of similar situation. Uh, it's called interference, not, uh, you know, not uh, the uh, hit to the head or whatever. And so uh, I was a little bit surprised. One has to wonder if it's because there was also the fight involved afterwards. Uh, and maybe that, that factored into their decision, but it does seem to be a little bit inconsistent in terms of, you know, who's getting suspended. And as you pointed out, being a a first time offender, a little bit surprising, you have to wonder if maybe the league was like, okay, uh, well, we didn't do this to Reeves and and we didn't do it to, to Wagner. Uh, we gotta, we gotta stop this. So sorry, Zach Hyman, you're, you're the victim here and going to be the, the example to kind of stop this from carrying into next week. AJ, this topic got my blood boiling. I think we've got to stop it right here. <laughs> <laughs> that wraps it up, folks, for another week of the podcast. Uh, we thank you for listening. Please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. You can follow AJ at AJScholes24. As always, we invite you to listen into podcasts to get your tips, our tips, and uh, stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody. 